0: 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. for a two-hour laughable journey into the legacy of Marxism and Leninism as we explore musics from Ukraine, jazz from Bashkortostan, and strange things from countries that most people don't even know exist. That's what we do here down at Radio Sputnik. Of the thermonuclear war that never happened without all that unnecessary radioactive contamination.
1: This song is dedicated to the memory of my dear friend, the Prime Minister of Barbados, Mr. Earl Barrow. A cottage that too can fill and we'll be pleased to be called the folks who live on the
2: Good afternoon. I'm T. Hutzel, and you have Living Writers today. I'm so happy to have in the studio with me, D. A. Powell. Doug, welcome. Thank welcome, you. Welcome Thank to the you, program. Um, this is a taped show. We're, we're speaking on the 16th of February, 2012, um, and and you're in town to give a reading. You're, I'm you're here well, for a couple of days, <laughs> yeah. talking with the MFA students, um, talking about craft. Mm-hmm. Um, the continuing conversation right. yes. <laughs> which we'll have now and then hopefully continue at continue a future the point conversation
0: right away <laughs>
2: <Exactly>. instantaneously <laughs> um, and it's actually um, right before we came on the air we were talking about how exciting a time it is uh, to have you here at, yeah. in Ann Arbor useless landscape a guide for boys um, just out with Grey Wolf Press
0: yeah this is actually the very first reading that I'm doing with the book out, you know. So
2: you're holding it, <clears throat> holding it in your hands. Yes. As, as you're up there, yeah. It's and it's a lovely book, you was.
0: Must... Didn't they do a beautiful job on it? I'm so pleased. When, it, usually, I I have a little bit of postpartum depression when I'll get a book in the mail after I've spent so much time and energy on it, and and then I get it in the mail and I think like Peggy Lee, you know, is that all there is? <laughs> um, but this was the first time where I got a book in the mail and I thought, wow, this looks good. It really? it feels finished, it, you know, not... Uh... The artifact itself, even, it felt right. Yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, wow, oh. That what a gift. And, and how interesting, because it's almost as if... Um, because your other books were also... Um, Grey Wolf has also got these... And they're lovely. I mean, we've got. They did the
0: last two, and they they did a beautiful job. It's just, you know, I think inevitably, as an artist, you feel that separation, that sense of loss, um, uh, having put so much time and effort into something, and then when it finally arrives, you 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 can't help but feel a little bit sad about it. But um, this book has filled me with an enormous sense of um, elation.
3: And
2: why? I mean, I I think so it should. (laughs) But, you know, I might have said that about the the others too. So is it possible to put it into words, Doug, or what?
0: uh... Well, uh, I think that as we... Uh grow and develop as writers we're always um, going through these stages of development and um, each time i 've completed a book uh, i've 've felt like well that 's the best I could do up till this moment um, and this feels like my first mature book, like suddenly, I know how to write poetry so um maybe wow. I, I see it more as a beginning rather than as a as a sense of closing a door. I see it as opening
2: oh i love I love that, but you know before since we are at the beginning of our hour let's i'm actually going to read the the short bio in the on the back ah, flap yeah. of um Useless Landscape, or A Guide for Boys uh, with um, Gray Wolf Press. And a quick thank you to Aaron Kotke and uh, Marissa Atkinson um, for sending the book. They're great Gray
0: Wolf folks. They are phenomenal. I'm so lucky to have such a wonderful small press that's supported uh, by grants and and donations and book sales. And um, they are like a family and they've done such a great job with every book of mine that uh, that they've produced.
2: Yes, and so interesting that this moment you feel something about your own self as as poet and it seems like it has also then also been reflected in somehow the way the book was built literally um the the physical book mm-hmm. um with this yeah how well, you felt when you saw it i mean
0: the uh
2: <laughs> mean to, the guy
0: who who uh did the design kyle uh he did the design for the first two books and uh each time he gets a little bit closer to who i am and the funny thing about this design is i really Are you a boy scout <laughs> no not at all <laughs> not in that way um I I didn't uh, <laughs> I I I didn't uh, particularly think that this was the right design. You know, he he did a number of of treatments and and um this one I liked I thought oh it's whimsical. Could
2: you describe it a little bit for our listeners? Doug? Yeah,
0: uh, the well the book um uh it has uh the title Useless Landscape at the top and then the or uh and then a guide for boys um and the guide for boys uh goes across the midsection of a paper doll outfit. For which a is, scout. It's sort of a classic paper doll outfit for a boy scout. The whose khakis. R- hand is raised in the scout salute. And <laughs> since it's a paper doll outfit, his head is missing, and that's where the oar is, which I think is a wonderfully whimsical um, choice. Yes. And then there are some figures of... Um, Knots, uh, the mm-hmm. the kind of ta- knots that you would be taught when you're a scout. So, to to my mind, it it looks like a field guide, which is what I was intending, a kind of guide to how to how to grow up in a, a rural area. And uh, if you flip the back, uh, flip over to the back, you notice. No blurbs, no promotional materials. They honored that sense of bareness, and replaced it with um, a map of uh, California, the Central Valley, and um, mm,
2: per- yes, perfect.
0: And the um, the hat from the Boy Scout out- outfit <laughs> is um, cocked and uh, hanging on the edge of the UPC code. <laughs>
2: and And I also love the um, ten poems to the inch, so the, the little guide there. Yeah, I didn't
0: see that until it was finished. Um, so that, uh, also you'll notice that the the um, uh, the letters around the map, which would normally be a grid of oh. ABC, um, it spells out useless landscape, and a marvelous discovery that the uh, that the designer made in doing that was that with landscape running around the edge and across the bottom, it spells DNA. That part of the landscape.
2: Wow. Oh, I I didn't, I hadn't seen that yet, Doug. That's, that is marvelous. It's like a, that's one of those, those poet things where you're like that, it's the it's the not quite accidental. It's meant to be. Yeah, <laughs> and it yeah. comes out it a there.
0: Wonderful discovery. So, oh. uh, and even the spine of it, uh, it just it it looks beautiful. I think people will mm. um, pick it up. Um, <clears throat> I I hope they'll have a look at it and, and read it. Uh, I'm I'm very proud of it. man.
2: Oh. Well, and it's so it's so lovely to have you here and and to talk about it. And I feel like we've almost just tried to um uh, do uh, an anti-kindle um <laughs> some sort of yeah. um, uh,
0: what 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 you would miss in the electronic version of this would be the design elements, which are so integral to the the way that the book has been. Uh, produced
2: and in some ways to your process through like how you work
0: as a poet
2: right with the the shape of a page or yeah like, i longer i lines
0: i write or... with my eye
2: and what do you what, what do you mean by that
0: well um i i am an image poet um i enjoy imagery i like color and also this book in particular I am playing on the idea of landscape painting Um, 19th century landscape painters would create these wonderful plenary landscapes um, but what we don't realize as 20th century spectators as viewers of those paintings is that they're not working in real time they're not out in the landscape painting what they see. Um, What they would do was uh, go out and uh, take a sketchbook and maybe uh, sketch a tree in one location and a brook in another location and a few sheep here and then assemble them into one finished version of the landscape which didn't exist anywhere. But was their vision? <clears throat> so uh, these poems are, in that way, assemblages, and they are um, their uh, sketches that have been brought together into larger conversations. Um, I'm aware of the implications of being an artist and using a landscape as a platform to talk about um love, desire, mortality, all of the deeper conversations that poets have um and uh i uh i had to step into the poems as a self-conscious artist at moments to say all right. I'm going to talk about the making in the in the making of the poems. Why? Uh, well, I think because um, the the word that I, I I land upon is exploitation, and not to say that I'm exploiting the the. Landscape in the same way that developers are, but um, anytime we anytime we write about something we're we're taking ownership of it we're uh, borrowing it as um, as a kind of privileged force so um, I, I couldn't write about Uh, landscape development and um, uh, agriculture and all of the uses that human beings put land to if I didn't also acknowledge that I am a participant in that. Even as an artist, we are making use of the land in some way.
2: Yes. (laughs) Yes. And, and before we go to break, I will, since I promised to, read the, the bio in the back flap of the book that we are here to celebrate today, Useless Landscape or a Guide for Boys uh, by D.A. Powell. D.A. Powell is the author of five collections of poetry, including the Trilogy of Tea, Lunch, and Cocktails, and Chronic, winner of the Kingsley Tufts Poetry Award. He has twice been a finalist for the National Book Critics Circle Award in Poetry. He lives in San Francisco. Um, You've got living writers today. As I said on the program, D.A. Powell is here. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. No. Thank you. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, I'm glad you're listening. Today in the studio, D.A. Powell is here. Um, His latest poetry collection out with Gray Wolf just literally we've been talking about hot off the press beautiful book useless landscape or a guide for boys Um, and a quick shout out to Tex thanks so much uh, for engineering making it sound good um, and finding the songs which Doug you you picked out like the songs we started with some Nina Simone well you Um, (laughs) you you found
0: out who my favorite artists were Uh,
2: (laughs) not not in a creepy way though right (laughs) no (laughs) But that's, and that's why the the songs that will be in the show are ones that um uh, we've been what yeah. did we just hear Doug? what was um the... Uh,
0: well the the song uh that's a harmonica version of Nurmakita Pa um by Jacques Brau and uh Jacques Brel was somebody that I discovered when I was in high school and just fell in love with his lyrics, of course, um I heard them in translation at first and then went back and listened. To them in the original French, and um, there was something about his sensibility, his willingness to write about um, the uh, difficult and um, raw bits of of life that um, I found necessary in order to engage myself as as a poet. I think. Um, uh my subsequent uh reading experience as a poet uh includes many writers that we would consider um sort of outside of the mainstream and uh i
3: How, who who Doug?
0: oh uh well for example um
2: or names well we can let's go yeah. I have like about a million questions okay. to ask you from what you just said yeah. so we can we can come come back to th- okay. that because
0: uh, Jack Spicer s- would be somebody for example okay um uh, Jack Spicer uh, didn't publish anything in his lifetime. He, he was not interested in publishing. Um, he had uh, a few chat books that he would put together and give to friends, but he, he just, he, he wasn't pursuing a career as a poet in the same way he was pursuing a life as a poet. And what, I think that that distinction is important.
2: Yes. Well, I've been thinking a lot about that. What, why? Why do you think
0: that? Uh well I think that uh, you know if we if or what we, is that distinction actually Don't, Uh well I... so much because we live in a fairly capitalist society um fairly are we're, we're naturally inclined to think about um those achievements the production the the uh, artifact of writing um and mm. I mean this is a gross contradiction on my part because we've just spent 15 minutes talking about the product of the book.
2: Oh, but in a way, the, this artifact seems not so much as a product, but as like an art object as well. I think so. There's uh, yeah. something beautiful, not non-commercial, well, even though. The, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because uh, Spicer wasn't interested in 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 the commercial aspect of publishing. He was interested in just making poems. And uh, I think that if you put your, if you place your value in art in its uh, measurable achievements, then you're uh, you're avoiding uh, the the more difficult question of does the work satisfy you? Is it something that has a, a relationship to your own life. And for me, first and foremost, I feel like my, my drive has always been to write the books that I would have wanted to be able to read uh, along the way as I'm that growing you up. Yeah. out there, yeah. 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 So uh, part of the impetus of this book was Makes sense. If, if I were able to go back in time And create a book that would have been useful for me growing up as a queer kid in uh, this hostile rural environment.
2: Yes, because born in Georgia, I'd spent summers in Tennessee, moved to California by the time you were in high school. Yeah,
0: yeah, and uh, not the California that we think of as the coast and surf and and birds and San Francisco and, and Los Angeles but um, the part of California that uh, is agricultural. Um, canneries and orchards and rice fields and uh, and the culture that grew out of successive waves of immigration um, from China and Mexico and um, the Dust Bowl. People who ended up there because they had to work for a living in very difficult conditions so
2: and, and you mentioned that um, you found the song that we started this this quarter with uh-huh. Doug while you were in high school Yeah. and you heard a version and then you investigated the French
0: Be- before this
2: is in high school yeah and and you were already um writing poems then and i was or, i
0: was beginning to to write what would become poetry
2: so in your rural high school were you the one member of the club listening to that particular song i'm or, sure i was <laughs>
0: the only person listening to that song um yeah uh, my refuge was there was a there was a junior college nearby that had a pretty good library and um, I had a friend who worked in the media center, so she would help me find um, recordings that I was seeking out because, oh, you know, I I read a poem about Billie Holiday, so I wanted to hear what her voice was like, and um, I would also go to the public library. This was before, you know, recently in California, the funding for libraries has been cut um, because the the state is in such financial crisis um all of those resources that i had then are being locked up and and may disappear but it's um, hard to
2: believe we're talking about the disappearance of public libraries
0: yeah yeah um yeah uh, the uh the taxpayer revolt in the 1970s began this slippery slope of uh, starving off funding to the things that we most cherish, which is a- access to information and ideas and art. And uh, that may well be lost in another generation.
2: Yeah, because now people, I mean, then it becomes, then again, this elitist thing. Like you think, oh, well, people have access to the internet, which yeah. is another.
0: Right. Place and even for it. But- some of the recordings that I would check out at the library, I remember there was a, a record. With Ruby D and Ozzie Davis, called "Tough Poems for Tough People," and they were recordings of Clarence Major and Hakim Matabuti and all of these wonderful poems. And the record was so scratchy, and I'm sure by by now it has it, the vinyl has just crumbled to dust. But
2: but it was well loved then. It, Somebody was listening to
0: it. Well, I kept checking it out of the library and (laughs) listening to it over and over. And um, naively, I thought, well, um, I I want to have a version of this to carry with me. So I recorded it on reel-to-reel, which is the worst kind of recording to to think about lasting. So, of course, within a a year after I had made that recording, the... um, the the integrity of the tape had just crumbled you know they were um the the tapes would stretch and then they would break and
2: i wonder if we have that here at wcbn maybe we could take a look afterwards <laughs> and see if that would maybe be incredible could come true yeah. we see and what was it It was ruby davison and-
0: uh Ru- ruby d and ozzy oh. davis you mm-hmm. know um ruby d is uh is still alive. I I think Ozzie Davis passed away. Um, But uh, uh, they were um, African-American actors uh, who uh, started out in American theater and did a lot of film as well and um, did this recording of of poetry. Tough Um, Poems for Tough People. Tough Poems for Tough People, I think was the title of it. Uh, It was produced... Probably in the late '60s, I mean, there were a lot of poems on there uh, about the Vietnam War. Uh, I remember um, one in particular by Clarence Major. It was called "Summer, A Far Off War," and it began, "All day long, I've been driving around thinking about Vietnam." So um, I'm sure it was it was a product of its time and i don't know if if anyone thought we need to conserve this but
2: uh, well it certainly it changed you
0: yeah yeah because um i had poetry not just as as something that i could read in books but something that i could listen to and the f- the way that i fell in love with poetry uh, my first uh, my first exposure to poetry that actually stuck because of course, growing up in, and going to school, certainly you get poems here and there. But um, I was I was a nerdy little kid, and I would watch um, public broadcasting, and um, there was a there was a show called Great Performances, and uh, they did a broadcast of a play by Vinette Carroll called when hell freezes over, I'll skate. <laughs> and uh, it was entirely comprised of poems by African American writers. And I remember the the poem that excited me was by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. It was called Antebellum Sermon. And, um, I mean, there were a number of great poems in there, some uh, poems by Langston Hughes mm. and Lucille Clifton, mm. but I became aware through that Paul Lawrence Dunbar poem. The conceit of the poem is that it's spoken by a preacher who is um, doing a sermon on Moses and uh, leading the, the Israelites out of captivity in Egypt. Mm-hmm. And he's talking to a crowd of slaves. And he has to stop and say periodically, um, just in case there are any um, uh, folks in the audience who might, uh, might report him as, as insurrectionary, So he stops and says, It's Moses. Just in case anybody uh, has any uh, question about this subject, um, I want to say emphatically, I'm talking about Bible times and not today. And there's a level of signifying that's going on that I realized language, poetry, had that power to talk in multiple times about... um, Different historical threads that interconnected, and it it just it blew my 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 mind.
2: It's a way to be a way to talk to the world and in the world. Yeah, we're going to take a short break, okay. and we'll be right back. and And we'll hear we'll hear poems from "Useless Landscape" or "A Guide for Boys." Um, D. A. Powell is here today um, on Living Writers, WCBN FM, Ann Arbor. We'll be back.
1: Like a bird on a wire Like a drunk in a midnight choir I have tried in my way To be free Like a fish On a hook Like a knight In some old-fashioned book I have saved All my ribbons For thee And if I If I have been Unkind I just hope you Will let it go by And if I If I have been Untrue I hope you know It was never to you Like a baby Still born Like a beast With his horn I have Torn Everyone
2: Welcome back. You've got Living Writers on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. I am T Hetzel and today in the studio D.A. Powell is here. We've got copies of his latest Useless Landscape or A Guide for Boys. Um now to the poems.
0: All right, shall uh, we? <laughs> yeah, um, I was talking earlier about that—that uh, uh, that consciousness of um, the, the awareness of, of being uh, part of the the use of of the land, being even as an artist, someone who is exploiting the land in in a way, and the. Uh, understanding that that has to be acknowledged within the poem um while I was working on the book, you know I'm always reading obscure, strange, interesting uh books and articles and um, ever
2: since high school yeah or middle school
3: perhaps
0: perhaps even before that, from the time that i read um i'm a I'm a curious dude, and um Uh, I was reading a book by Victoria Finlay called Color, um, The Natural History of the Paintbox, in which she talks about where colors came from and how the paintbox developed. Um, which artists use today, ochre and um, coal and um, uh, celadon green and all of mm-hmm. these, you know, uh, colors that we don't really think about their origins. And um, uh, so I wanted to do a poem that was that kind of uh, brilliant use of color. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided I would do a uh, kind of a seed catalog um, so that I could uh, describe all of the the myriad versions of color that one would find in the California landscape. Uh, the poem also was inspired by or in conversation with um, a, a, a film called Tender Mercies, by Bruce Beardsford, which is about an artist, in this case, a country singer. I'm glad you put on Johnny Cash earlier. <laughs> Thanks, um, Tex. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Robert Duvall plays a country singer who has sort of lost his way in the world. Um, he's uh, become an alcoholic and, and has to start from the beginning. So going back to a place of, of sparseness and being um, learning all over again how to be an artist. So um, uh, that felt like uh, an interesting entry point into this poem. Mm. Tender Mercies The dandelions Ditch-blown brood The evening snow and dew-soaked flocks The brewer's pea, the Jepson's pea these the bright eyes of the viridian fields. In chaparral, the hillside pea and angled pea, intensities of light and pomp that distress the easy upswept grass, the smack the rain plants as it smudges past and penetrates the canvas. The smattering on field and railroad tracks both hardy blooms and dainty flowers, the judge's house, the chicken farm, a migratory camp, a flesh motel, a stucco digs where all that mitigates the August swelter is the swamp cooler's immutable burr, a straggling house that draws its water from a hard water well and flushes out with the help of a crude sump pump. Before the flat land is occluded by the staunch of light at end of day, I wanted to be content with all its surfaces. Weed, barb, crack, rill, rise. But every candid shoot and fulgent branch depends upon the arteries beneath. The houses have their siphons and their circuit vents. The heart, I mean the literal heart, must rely upon its own plaqued valves. The duodenal canal, its unremitting grumble. The brain upon its stem and underneath, a network vast of nerves that rationalize. The earth's a little harder than it was. But I expect that it will soften soon, voluptuous in some age hence, because we captured it as art the moment it was most itself, fragile, flacked with nimbleweed, and so alone it almost welcomed its own ravishment. I was a maiden in this versicolor plain. I watched it change withstood that change, the infidelities of light, the solar interval, the shift of time, the shift from farm to town. I had a man that pressed me down into the soil. I was that man. I was that town. They call the chicory ragged sailors here, sojourners who have finally returned and are content to see the summer to its end. Be unafraid of what the future brings. I will not use this particular blue again.
2: Thank you, Doc.
3: Yeah. <clears throat> that blue <laughs> to end
2: with. I mean, because it's, in- yeah, you take us so many places there and to... So many landscapes, yeah. The bodies as well, right? The, right. Um, and mapping that out, so and not in an expected way, of course.
0: You I know. try not to be expected. Yes, of course I tr- not. Yeah. I try so, yes. not to expect <laughs> where I'm going or to know where yeah. I'm going. Why? Um, well, I think uh, I think by nature I've been a wanderer, and maybe it's because my father had this sort of nomadic tendency. Um, He grew up in Tennessee in, um, you know, a very large family um, with, you know, a a, a culture that always had its eye on you. And it wasn't that he was particularly um, a bad person. He wasn't. Um, But he felt stifled. And... um, through subsequent marriages and subsequent jobs, he just uh, he he was restless, and I think I got the restless gene somehow, which is unfortunate is because I I do have this desire for permanence, this desire to to stay someplace, but it seems like no place is ever adequate and and it was only by leaving the the central valley and having some distance from it over all these years that i've come to to really appreciate it and and long for it and i miss a version of it that doesn't exist anymore so even to even to go back is already going back in time, as well as in in geography.
3: If,
2: if that reminds me of what you were saying earlier with the landscape painters yeah. and these pieces of the sketches, right? And then compiling it into this thing that did not exist prior. Yeah. The same idea with these landscape memories. So or-
0: the idea of being a guide or or providing a map, it's it's sort of a. A futile act, but, um, but art should have futility at its heart because if we were ever to achieve what it is we set out to to arrive at or to accomplish, then it would end. Um, I, my analogy is uh, the the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel that um, uh, ah. reaching between. <laughs> God and man, there's a gap, and that gap is permanent. And if it didn't exist, that's where all desire and imagination and longing occur, is in that inability to close the gap.
2: Well, that's something else, Doug. (laughs) take a short break and okay. then we'll, we'll come back right. and we'll hear more today on Living Writers. D.A. Powell is here. Useless Landscape or a Guide for Boys? Just out with Gray Wolf Press. I'm T. Hetzel. We'll be back. <laughs> Welcome back. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Today, D.A. Powell is here. Useless Landscape or a Guide for Boys, the book. Um, so let's actually talk a little bit about the one book that's not on the table, which is crazy. But um, it was oh. so intrig- intriguing to me. And then we have to make sure we hear some poems. Okay. Because we, are, we're, don't yeah, know, we don't want you, to run out of time. It's gone by quickly.
0: <laughs> you're referring to the autobiography. Yes. Okay.
2: yes my it's it's you actually call it what is it my autobiography
0: well it's called it, it, by myself Right. <laughs> an autobiography and um, the with David Trinidad with David Trinidad David Trinidad is a friend of mine who's a brilliant poet and wonderful um, you know, what uh, he does remarkably well I mean there are m- different kinds of poems that he's uh, quite adept at but he is the king of pop culture in poetry, just amazing I hope you 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 should have him on the show. you would love him um, and he's somebody who collects Barbie dolls and collects um uh, old movies and uh just you know he is the repository of 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 pop culture and I think that collector mentality is something that I share with him. Even the um,
2: listing in Tender Mercies, when you were listing through the yes, the, absolutely, the purers, the, the yeah, you-
0: um, I'm reminded of what uh, uh, William Carlos Williams said of the the lists of ships in Homer's uh, Odyssey, that it's there to fill up time, and I think that sometimes that's our our intent as poets is to to fill up time. In order to Claim make it, or? in order to make it last. Um, look at Shahrazad; she has to fill up time with story, otherwise she will die. And I think that uh, talk we talk about urgency. Yeah, we we keep ourselves from disappearing by by creating. Um, otherwise, there's that uh, sense that we'll just fall away. But um, by myself. The the title um, is stolen. Um, uh, that is to say, the "by myself" part was the title of an autobiography by Lauren Bacall, and every it's so funny. It's you know, just inherently funny. It's very funny, because yeah, because it's also it's, sad, but it's also yeah.
2: But sorry, go on. But
0: it's it's yeah, by myself, by two people, exactly. um, and in fact, it's us plus. 300 celebrities, <laughs> however, you determine celebrity because, um, some or of, however
2: you determine celebrity, right? Because
0: book. some of the celebrities are, I, you know, we've got Akira Kurosawa, General Norman Schwarzkopf, <laughs> Patty Hearst, um, uh, Charles Manson, um, Etta James, oh. um, Ava Gabor, Ja Zha Gabor, Joan Crawford, <laughs> Betty Davis, um. Sonny Bono, Chastity Bono. So
2: are all their voices coming in? All of Doug, their voices
0: what? <laughs> are what makes the autobiography. We are writing a celebrity memoir using sentences from celebrity memoirs.
2: So you, you use a chronology, like, I was born. And right, then, yes. Son-
0: uh, the first sentence is from Tennessee Williams's memoirs, um, which is, um, uh, to put it into two words... Disaster struck. And then the next <laughs> sentence is, I was born in 1887 in Tuscumbia, Alabama. And that's Helen Keller. And uh, we proceed. Um, we, we did this as a kind of a game of chess, going back and forth. And we had to construct a linear narrative, but using sentences from other people. And each person... Could only be used once, so we had to be strategic about it. Uh, holding Shelley Winters in reserve, and also neither one of us could know what c- celebrity memoirs were being stockpiled right, by so the other you, person. So
2: you might think, well, I can't save Helen Keller because otherwise David's going to yeah. use it. In and the who next... could
0: save Helen Keller? <laughs> <laughs> she had. Oh, she, and she had double... to be used right away. <laughs>
2: So, so this was you were writing back and forth. So this, this, yeah, this game. This yeah, it, was, it definitely was, a poet. It thing.
0: started as a, it started as a sort of a parlor game, and and we really thought, well, we're the only ones that are going to be interested in this, and and um, David's uh, publisher, uh, Turtle House, Tur- Turtle House Press, um, said. Oh my God, that sounds amazing! Will you send it? And and uh, we sent it to him, and um, they did uh, just a beautiful production. I hope you get a chance to see the book because um, it's the designer Jeff Clark uh, does. He does. Um,
2: He's- He's from here, right? Is he? Well... Uh, yeah, I'm actually, sorry, I, I think, think he is. In, he lived, yes. Yeah, Jeff Clark. We, yes, yeah. friend, friend of the show. Yes. Yeah, oh, and wonderful.
0: a wonderful I've poet. I've heard
2: about his book. Yeah, and And his also design. an
0: amazing book designer. He does all of the books for Asada Press. He does many of the books for Wesleyan. Um, he, I mean... His his designs are, are fantastic, and he.
2: But and how would you present this? Because that's what's curious too. Because it's line by line. Yeah. And is it attributed or is there a long there list in the back? There is
0: an attribution. It's not footnote by footnote, but rather um, each paragraph has a set of numbers next to it. So, uh, the first paragraph, I think, is one through eleven. And then you can flip to the back of the book, and literally the book is divided into half narrative and half footnotes. They're given equal attention. And so you can, you can easily go back and forth and find out where each sentence is from.
2: Uh, so, this is, so this is an amazing project that actually is something that you're always working deeply into your own poems where you're trying on pieces oh, yeah. and then including them as you or not you. As is the poet's. Could you say if. Well,
3: what, what, yes. <laughs> the,
0: the title, Useless Landscape, is in fact a borrowing from um, a, a song by Antonio Carlos Jobim, uh, the man who wrote Girl from Ipanema and One Note Samba. Um, and uh, I'm often borrowing titles because I'm not good at coming up with titles on my own.
2: Is that why one one of the books you went with first lines and the (laughs) The first
0: three, in fact, were all first lines? And then, um, you'll notice, oh, not
2: chronic though,
0: yeah, if you if you go through, yeah, but chronic has some borrowed titles and um. In uh, this, uh, for example, I have a poem called Ode to Joy, yes. which is a title borrowed from <laughs> Frank <laughs> O'Hara, oh, oh. who borrows it from oh. Beethoven, who borrows it from Schiller. So the, the borrows
2: in quotes. Right. <laughs>
0: Goodbye, my fancy is borrowed from a movie which borrows the title from Whitman uh, who borrows the title from himself because he has two <laughs> poems entitled "Goodbye, My Fancy." So everything's recycled
2: and, uh, and I love how he also did his own self promotion. yeah, you must read this book
0: <laughs> exactly so so the book is filled with borrowings and and recontextualizations
2: let's hear let's hear a poem. Um, Doug, all right. If you would,
0: yes, uh, I'll um, I'll read. Um, well, maybe I should read a poem that has a borrowed title, um, since uh, uh, that's one of the things that I'm I'm playing with. Um, <clears throat> this poem is entitled "Little Boy Blue," which you know, there's there's a wonderful jazz mm-hmm. standard called "Little Boy Blue," and then of course there's the Mother Goose poem, and um, the uh, one of the things that I, as I said, uh, like an artist with a sketchbook. I'm going out and, and taking scenes from different from different episodes of my life and also other people's lives who didn't necessarily write their own poems. So um, an assembly, uh, an assemblage, yes, an assembly in the sense of assembling a choir. This is my We Are the World <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: That's awesome. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Um okay, little boy blue. He finds himself inside the Sunrise Mall, but not at Walden Books. He seeks no solitude. His second great awakening has started. Subdued interstices between kiosks and stores, the proximity of skimming eyes, or studious eyes that read him like a copy of leaves of grass. He has come in his holy, worn-out jeans. He has come there in his flimsy little thongs. And there's those hankering eyes, That seem to sample him like orange Julius egg white froth or bits of salami cubed upon a paper plate and stabbed by frill picks. Don't meet those eyes. The arcades packed with Pac-Man players in a jiff. Gobble the cherries. Gobble that consecrated ghost.
3: (laughs) Thanks, Doug. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's a, so... That poem, where like we're in, so in the grocery store with Whitman, like yeah. we were once with
0: with Ginsberg, yes, yes. Um, except instead of a grocery it's store, a mall, now it's a mall, mall and
3: well,
2: yes. And I
0: love that it's Sunrise Mall, which is an actual mall in Citrus Heights. But um, many of the mall images were based on a mall called the Peachtree Mall in a town called Linda, California.
2: Oh, which is where you grew up.
0: Um, or spent, It's where or I went to high school. Let's or say something. I went to high school there. Okay. <laughs> or, although I actually went to high school in a town called Olivehurst, which was sort of the sister city of, of the unincorporated town Linda. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but Linda sounds so funny because it's of course pretty in Spanish. But, yeah. But it's also just as if suddenly the town is this woman. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I, and the funny and thing someone. about uh, about the the name is that. Um, uh, it was the name of a, a steamship that wrecked on a snag in the river and uh, that was where right the, there yeah and and so, so it's commemorated. yeah well we've got to stay here for a little while let's let's build some shelter and and it became Linda named after the wreckage of a, of a ship. I think poetry just mirrors things that are already happening in the real world in history. Uh, you can't invent. These kinds of borrowings—they just—they uh, just happen naturally.
2: And then it's—it's it's, then it's up to you to assemble them, to see them.
0: Yeah, to see them, and and, then... and to and to and to um, put them into a context that allows us to to see them in a in a new way. I mean, uh, poem poets are. Uh, poets are recording and um, collecting and uh, uh, s- acting as spectators of the world um, just as much as they are also experiencing and, and um, celebrating their own uh, existence in the world. We're also trying to universalize it, and one way to do that. Is to um, allow other people in. Uh, I I feel like you know Whitman does it so magnificently in Leaves of Grass. So I had to have a little nod mm. to him there, mm. and also Thoreau is there, and uh, mm. the Second Great Awakening, and
2: yes, yes,
0: yeah. So oh, that's it's that's... like American history.
2: Oh yes,
0: <laughs> and Pac Man. <laughs>
2: And that ghost,
0: yeah,
2: with the layers of meaning inherent yeah. in that, yeah, and the flash of color that you're so interested in with the cherry as well right yeah. yes so do you do you remember through. the Pac-Man game? Oh yes, yes. oh yes <laughs> I'm seeing the ghost right now, <laughs>
0: right. you would gobble the cherry, and that gave you the power to be able to to gobble the ghost, otherwise the ghost would gobble you
2: well there's there's power in this book. Doug, yeah. um, thank you so much for being on, oh, thank you. on thank the you. program today. It's oh.
0: wonderful to to get to to spend time with you and visit. And I'm having a wonderful time in Michigan. So, uh,
2: Well, we're so glad you're here. Thank you. I'll speak on behalf of everyone. <laughs> so, and come back again. You're welcome anytime to WCBN Michigan.
0: All right. Yes. Thank um, you.
2: And so thanks to all you f- out there for listening today on the program, DA Pal. And
0: and thanks, Tex, for, for bringing in all of this amazing music. It's uh, Yes. Uh, uh, what a pleasure to have somebody uh get deep into my 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 library without my knowledge and and uh um, have it there as part of the background and texture of this conversation
2: I almost feel like we're at the the public library yes, yeah together well, thank you doug um again Thanks, today, the, the on the program d a pal his book Useless Landscape or a Guide for Boys, just out from gray wolf um This has been Living Writers. Until next time.
0: Thank you. This is Free Speech Radio News for Wednesday, February 29, 2012. In Los Angeles, I'm Dorian Marina. Coming up, in Washington, lawmakers debate a measure that would prevent the indefinite detention of American citizens under a controversial national defense law. It is a central strategy of
3: al-Qaeda.